welcome to Scoop and Scale, where we dish up the science and weigh facts about mostly equine nutrition. I'm Michelle Anderson. I spent two decades working in equine media, and I currently create content and help veterinarians and businesses connect with horse owners through my consulting business, Cadence Marketing and Media. I'm a trail rider, dressage rider, and an at-home horse keeper. And I'm equine nutrition consultant, Dr. Claire Tunis of Clarity Equine Nutrition. I develop diet plans for horses ranging from metabolic seniors to Olympic athletes. I also consult for equine nutrition companies. I'm a scientist, dressage rider, and a pony club mom. Claire and I collaborated for years when I was the editor of an equine publication, and she was one of our regular contributors. We'd finish work, but we always had more to talk about. New products, new research, and our own horses. This podcast is an extension of those conversations. It's for anyone who wants to make better choices when it comes to feeding and caring for their own horses. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. The information in this podcast is general and not meant to replace the individualized advice of your own qualified equine nutritionist or veterinarian. While I have a PhD in nutrition, I'm not a veterinarian and can't give medical advice. With that, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the following episode. decided to tackle equine nutrition basics in several easily digestible bites. Forage is a <laughs> thanks for laughing. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm I'm a trained writer. <laughs> so easily digestible bites. Forage is the cornerstone of the equine diet. So that's where we're gonna start. It's a great place to start because it's where I start all my diets when I put them together. So first off, what is forage and why is it so important? So yeah, forage is it's basically plant material, but it's high in fiber, right? So oftentimes I think horse owners think of it as being bulk, right? It's like the bulk in the diet. Um, the problem with that is the word bulk kind of makes it sound like it's filler and doesn't really have much nutritional value. And that's actually not the case. Um, it's the majority of the horse's diet. So it's actually where they get the majority of their nutrition from. So what are the different types of forage? Yeah, I, mean, I think the ones we think of most commonly, that we all think of hay, um, because all of us probably at some point in the year have to feed some hay. But obviously, pasture grass is forage, hay is forage. Uh, even bee pulp can be forage, right? That's actually a fibrous uh, material, and it requires microbial fermentation. So that's the other thing about forage, is forage requires microbial fermentation in the horse's hindgut. Uh, in order for them to be able to utilize the majority of the carbohydrate that's in it. So when it comes to formulating a diet for a horse, how much does each horse need per day in hay or pasture? Yeah, that's a really kind of easy rule of thumb that a lot of people may have heard about, which is that horses should eat a minimum of like one and a half to two percent of their body weight per day as forage dry matter and so that would be that pasture grass or that hay with all of the moisture evaporated out to it what's left they should consume one and a half two percent of their body weight per day um obviously uh pasture grass can be pretty high in moisture it might be 85 percent moisture and so that would result in being a lot of pasture grass i think we often don't appreciate actually how many pounds of 
pasture grass a horse will eat in a day in order to meet that one and a half to two percent of body weight as dry matter hay is typically you know sort of 85 percent or more dry matter so generally you can sort of just budget a little bit and just sort of say that if you're feeding your horse 20 pounds of hay it's very close to 20 pounds of dry matter um and so that's you 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 need to know your horse's body weight though right in order to figure (laughs) out that calculation so yeah yeah so how do you find that out uh typically the easiest way people go about it is they use a a weight tape which you can typically get at their feed store or good old amazon like everything on amazon (laughs) <laughs> um, chewy <laughs> all those kinds of places you normally look for horse things you can find a weight tape um, they'll put you in the ballpark they're not super accurate more accurate is to do a, a calculation where you measure the horse's circumference and then their length and there's a calculation that you can do to calculate their weight and there's um, numerous um, online calculators that you can find if you just google like horse weight calculator you'll several will come up and you can put in the measurements that they tell you to measure. And generally those give you a more accurate estimate of the horse's current body weight. Um, and then you can figure out from that with a little bit of maths, what one and a half or 2% of that would be. And then that's how much you should feed as your hay at a minimum. Yeah. So my equine hospital here locally has a scale. And so that's really nice to get that accurate. And, and we, I do find that between the weight tape and and the weight that I get when I put a horse on that scale, uh, there can be quite a bit of variation. So it's nice to have that regular check-in on a scale. Uh, another way that people can do it, it's a little trickier, is to weigh your truck and trailer and then put your horse in it and then weigh the truck and trailer with the horse. I don't know if a truck and trailer scale is more accessible than just a horse scale, but sometimes in some places they are. So that that's another trick if you want to try to get a weight. You just have to make sure that everyone, it's the same people in the, the vehicle. <laughs> so you don't want to take an extra passenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which saddles in there, keep it all the same so that, that you have a an apples to apple measurement so so that's a, another trick if, if you have access yeah that could be a big one leave your western saddle in the tack room we'll take it out that'll definitely change your horse's weight uh-huh. yeah 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 Real quick. <laughs> and, and i think right and i think a lot of people don't realize their vets might have a scale at their clinic um and most vets are very happy to let you go stand your horse on the scale if you're going in for routine like if you're going for vaccinations or teeth or something they're often very happy to let you um, go quickly stand on the scale so it's always worth asking your vet practice do you have a scale because that's yeah that's a really great tool if they do have one yeah so when we talk about feeding forage we should be feeding by weight but we horse people in general talk about uh, hay in flakes or leaves feed them two flakes in the morning three flakes in the afternoon whatever um is a flake or a leaf is that a a standard measurement for a right it is a flake a flake yeah. <laughs> right i know and the naming thing is fascinating because different places like i think in australia they refer to them as biscuits oh, uh, and even even different places in the united states call them different things mm-hmm. so there's definitely been times i've been talking to an owner and i'm thinking what are they talking about <laughs> um and then i yeah. suddenly i'm like oh flakes or sections wedges i mean i've heard it all yeah um but no, they're not all the same. So um, 
there's often similarities. So as a general rule, um, out here on the West Coast, we have massive, you know, 100 pound free string bales of hay. And generally the flakes in those of grass hay are about five or six pounds of flake. The alfalfa tends to run more like seven, eight pounds of flake. And I found that when I was up in Washington and when I have people that have two string bales, where those bales are more in the sort of 40 to 60 pounds of bale, maybe those flakes tend to be more in the three or four pounds of flake for grass hay. So you can sort of make some generalities between, you know, is it a two string small bale or a three string big bale? Um, but then there's always going to be differences because it depends on how the person making the hay set their baler, the tension in the baler and that kind of thing. So even, yeah, within within batches. And, and I've seen that in our own Bermuda hay, our three string bales, we've gone from six pound flakes to three pound flakes. And that can have a really big impact on, you know, the horse over time that happened to us and a good number of horses in the barn suddenly started losing about three weeks and they started losing weight and, and, um, we, you know, couldn't figure out why. And then we realized that the, some of the people that were helping to feed were very religiously feeding a flake and didn't mm-hmm. realize the last batch of hay had been a six pound of flake batch and the new batch was a three pound of flake batch and they just kept feeding one flake because that's what the board said they should feed and it was only the horses in the barn we didn't pick up on it super quick because it was only the horses in the barn that were fed predominantly grass hay that started losing weight <laughs> we have a lot of yeah. horses that get a lot of alfalfa hay and they didn't lose weight so quickly yeah well, i think it's worth if you're running a a boarding barn type situation to make sure that all of your feeders, multiple people are feeding, that everyone has an understanding of how much each portion should weigh for each horse and, and what you're expecting. Because people can just have different understandings of how much a horse should be eating with, with each meal. But what recommendations do you have to for people to make sure that they know what the hay weighs and that the horses are getting enough? Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I have bonds that have done amazing things like they welded a baby scale on the back of their golf cart and they literally weigh every horse's hay. Every They drive, they put a you know, bale on the back of the golf cart, they drive around and they're weighing it on the thing and they chuck it over the door. And they're feeding, you know, 40, 60 horses like that. So it can be done, but I realize that that's not. I I have I have four horses here and that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. right and i realize that that's the reality for most people right so you can when you there's generally similarities within flakes within a batch of hay right so when you get a stack of hay in um i'll take some baling string and i'll wrap it up like a little parcel i'll get my luggage scale or my fish scale and i'll weigh like three or four flakes I generally don't do the end flake because I feel like the ends of the bale tend to be a little variable, but I'll get rid of the end flake and I'll weigh like the next three or four flakes. And so I'll go, and then you'll start to find, oh, okay, like all of these are on average about five and a half pounds of flake, right? And you kind of get that at the next bale batch you get in, like we did, it was still Bermuda. As I said, it was still these massive 100 pound three string bales. But the flakes were tiny and they were only, when I weighed them, they ended up only being three pounds. But they were like that for the entire stack. So then we didn't have to do it again until the next delivery. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i feeding a hay right now that's a mix and the mix varies per bale. Like there's a little bit more of one, one type of grass and a little bit more of the other. And so each 
each bale does have some variation, so it's important to pay attention as I'm moving through my my stack uh, of hay. And certainly, that becomes more challenging the more different people you have feeding. Because I, my guess is, you know, you have a fairly good sense of the weight you're looking for in your hand, and you'll adjust accordingly. Um, but obviously, when you've got different people feeding, they have different ideas about what that weight in their hand should be. So. Yeah, yeah. I know when my husband feeds for me, the horses are very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> he's very very generous he's he's the cookie man and he's very generous with hay when he feeds um so speaking of feeding the horses how often often should horses be fed like should how many meals of hay should they be getting well when we look at where they came from and how they live naturally right they'd be eating for like 16 plus hours a day so my ideal answer is all the time <laughs> Yeah, yes. But if you have easy keepers, like so I have I have four horses, two are, are challenging keepers, harder keepers, and two are easier keepers. The easier keepers just can't have it in front of them all the time. Um, it, the all you can eat Faye is not the right choice for them. So Michelle's house. <laughs> no, not, not for those two at least. Um, so uh, how often should you feed in those cases or how do you extend the meal so that the horses do have more chew time with their hay? Right. I mean, I think, you know, all sort of joking aside, I mean, yeah, ideally they should be fed unlimited. That would be our ideal, right? But the reality is that that's not the reality for either most horses, like you said, either because they're easy keepers or it's just not the reality of the living situation that they're kept in. Most boarding facilities, um, you know, are feeding twice a day. You know, ideally, it'd be lovely if they got lunch and got fed three times a day, but I would say two times a day at a minimum. You know, more is better. More small meals is better because it simulates uh, grazing more accurately. And that's how their digestive tracts are designed to function. So you'll have less risk of issues with things like colic and gastric ulcers if you're feeding many small meals. And for that reason, that's one of the reasons why the slow feed hay nets and other slow feed devices have become so popular is because you can limit feed them in the amount you feed them, but make that limited amount of forage go much further. Um, and so, again, a lot of people don't like nets because they're worried about feet getting tangled in nets and all those kinds of things. But, um, you know, there are all kinds of ingenious things out there. Like, have you seen the hay balls? With the what? The hay... <laughs> <laughs> this is where my accent gets confusing. <laughs> hay ball. Oh, the hay, the, the yeah, the, the that roll around. Yes, yes, I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first person where I've had to repeat that and like really think about how I pronounce it. But anyway, yes, those things. But they're really cool because you can like unscrew the lid off them, and they're like a well, they like octagonal or just one of the inside, whatever. Yeah, like, holes in them, and they're really a nice enrichment way of feeding hay too, because the horses can roll them around the stall. And um, so they get some kind of different enrichment out of them than just standing at a hay net and eating out of a hay net. But anything like that is great. Yeah. And I do know with those, like one thing that you have to keep in mind, especially if you have a mixed herd that has those, is that uh, now none of the horse's jaws are small enough to get their teeth stuck in the hole. Like if you had a mini living with a bigger horse. So that's just something before you throw one of those out, you just have to make sure that it's appropriate for the, the size of horses or also feet like mini feet can get stuck on those so yeah. something to keep in mind because it is a really cool yeah. product um yeah but mixed herds make make those more challenging um i've had good luck if you 
I'll just mention some some different brands. <laughs> so because so, um, I've tried them all, um, I've I've had good luck with the Savvy Feeders. They're a cool product. Um, I've done some work with that company, so I want to uh, be clear with that, um, transparent. Um, but I worked with that company because I really liked the product. Um, and my horses, they're, they're, they're very durable. Um, I have one horse that stands on them like a circus elephant and they, and, and those have, those have held up. Um, I've used every kind of net under the sun, um, hay pillows. I have for my, my horses are barefoot. So I, I like the hay pillows where they can eat, eat off the ground. Um, I have had issues with horses dunking those in water troughs. So I'll go like, where, where is your hay pillow? And it's in the water trough. So, uh, so that is a challenge. Um, but, um, but anyway, there's, there's lots of, like you said, people come up with really great ideas. Um, it's really, I think about finding what works for you and your horse. And then also being very safe. Uh, shoes can get caught in, in nets. They need to be above chest level if your horse is shod, um, and just be very careful that you're looking for sharp edges or anything that your horse could get hurt on, uh, cause those right. things do wear out. Because they're horses, and they will. And they, and <laughs> and I know. Just I'll share too, like because I know I often hear from people like we don't have time to be filling nets for all these horses. Uh-huh. So actually, what we've done this year, which is working really well, is we have their. I, I think it's Freedom Feeder Make a Frame um, that you can put on a fence or a gate. Um, you know, I've seen others too. I think uh, hay chicks have one, although I think there is maybe it's for going inside the stall, so you'd probably have to open the door and go in and fill it, whatever. Um, but we've got them on the gates, like we have mayor hotel type stalls with a regular like five bar type metal gate on the front, and they sit perfectly between the top and second rail down, and you put the net on them, and it's like having a male slot, and you oh, just. Yeah. You just slide your flake in and it falls into the net on the other side. Um, and that's working. Uh, makes it really easy for the feeders because they just you, like post it in the nets. There's no going into stalls. There's no stuffing nets in the hay barn and having to hang them. And it, that, that's been a really good solution. But Yeah. Uh, stuffing hay hay nets can be challenging. Actually, I had last night. I was stuffing one for one horse. She has a very particular kind of hay bag. Um, I'm not sure what brand it is, but uh, I was having a hard time getting a flake in. And it was all- those those plastic things. You like the the curved board, like thin piece of plastic that you can put in the net to try and make it stand up. Yeah, yeah I have. <laughs> it didn't work. I, I feel like I I feel like I've tried everything. I've tried the trench can. Oh yeah, rolling it over the yeah. trash can. Yeah. So anyway, but this is this is what you and I can do. We can get off on a tangent. So uh, we can. But if anyone's so, listening, if anyone's listening and has great slow feeder suggestions, um, it'd be great. Yeah. 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 I have one more thing on the slow feeders. Watch. Be careful about things that have metal grates or things that are heavy. The horses can wear their teeth uh, and chip their teeth, and so just just consider that when you're purchasing. And I would say the same is true. I think that happens a little bit with the hay nets that knot, and then where the where the mesh comes together in a knot in each corner. I think that's more likely to damage teeth than the ones that are almost seamless. For one of a better expression, yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. And for every pro, there seems to be a con for with oh, these right. links. So it's definitely finding what works for your horse. Um, so you're you're feeding your horse hay, but how do you know? what's in the hay like it's all hay the same or should we check to its nutritional well 
I'm just going to come out and straight ask the question. What? <laughs> I don't know why I'm being coy about it. What is, what's a hay analysis and why should people get one if they can? Yeah, no, it's a great question because we often, it is the biggest part of our horse's diet most commonly and we have often no idea what's in it, right? So um, yeah, hay analysis, um, you know, you send a sample of hay off to the lab and get it analyzed and they'll send back all kinds of information. Lots of different tests you can ask for, but most complete forage analyses are going to tell you calorie content, the protein, uh, a bunch of information about the different fiber fractions, like the starch, the sugar as well. Um, and then you'll get the calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, sodium, chloride, um, copper, zinc, manganese, iron. You won't get selenium typically unless you ask for it as extra. So sometimes we do selenium, sometimes we don't. It depends you know, where you live and whether that's something you might be concerned about, either being excessive selenium or not enough selenium. But it gives you a lot of really good information. Um, and it's not as expensive as people think. I think you can get, you know, often for a little under $50, you can get all that information. Um, so there's a lot of really good information. And when we think about how much money we spend on hay, uh-huh. um, it's not that much more to spend to, to really have a good idea about what you're feeding. Yeah. But what if you're in a situation where your horse is either boarded or hay is hard to come by in your area and you can't buy? Like, I, I'm fortunate I'm able to get like 12 tons a year from the same supplier, same stack. So I, I know that it's going to be consistent. But not everyone has that luxury to know that their horse is getting the same hay throughout the year. So so what are what's the option then if you can't have an analysis of every batch of hay? Yeah, it's a little bit becomes a little trickier and it's and it's probably not worth testing it if you don't have several months worth because you know, if your soil is A, you have to have enough males to create um a representative sample. So, you know, you're not gonna you don't get realistic data by sampling one or two bales, right? You have to sample 10, 15 bales from around your stack um to get a sample. And and so that's another thing, right? People will, oh, I just took a handful of hay and I sent it to the lab. And it's like, it's not really, rep- it's not representative sample. And the data you get back is only as good as the data you send the lab, right? So you really, if you're going to test your hay, you need to use a hay probe. Um, they're about $130, $150, probably somewhere in that range. Oftentimes, sometimes your feed store might have one, your extension agent may have one. But if you're like you and you know you have that much hay, I would tell you just go buy one because they last forever and you know, you're going to need it every time you get, every year when you get new batch of hay. Um, but if you can't sample your hay or your hay is just coming too quickly to really warrant a, a sample, I mean, you can ask the provider if they have a sample. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they've tested the hay. Um, sometimes they haven't. Um, and if not, then it's just a matter of kind of knowing some of the basic similarities and differences between hays, right? So an alfalfa is going to be different from a grass hay. Alfalfas are always going to be higher in protein. They're always going to be higher in calcium. They tend to be a little bit higher in iron than most grass hays. Um, grass hays are going to be lower in all those things. Alfalfas, um, you know, again, looking at the the maturity of the plant so looking at some of the physical characteristics of the plant might give you a hint as to sort of how easily digestible it's going to be so if it's a lot of stemmy material and not very much leaf in comparison then i wouldn't expect that to be particularly digestible um, because as plants grow they develop more stem and less leaf and the really good nutrition easy accessible nutrition is in the leaves 
Um, so it becomes a little less digestible the more stem there is, which could be great for your horses, Michelle, that are the easy keepers. Mm -hmm. You you would want the stemmier, less leafy grass hay type hays because that's probably going to be lower in sugar, probably going to be you know take them longer to chew and, and what have you. And you'll be able to feed more of it without worrying about them getting fat. So you'll be able to do that keeping hay in front of them for sixteen hours a day, right? Yeah, and yeah, and and you can pay the same for less nutritional hay for your horses to eat more, and it's what's good for your horse, and that's what I do. I I pay pay the same for lower quality hay. So yeah, and I think it's important that we I think it's important that we qualify that we're meaning lower nutritional quality, yes. right? Yeah. We're not yeah. talking about hay with trash in it and dead no, no. animals that Absolutely you know, not. make out of a bale or something. No, that, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not cow hay. You know, it's not that it's, it's high quality horse hay, but it is um, lower in, uh, in calories and right. starch and, and all that so that, that they're able to eat, eat more of it. So they have longer chew time because they're easy keepers who also get gastric ulcers. So right. it's, it's a balance. Conversely, you know, if you had a hard keeper, um, you know, you might not, you would want that, right? You'd be looking for their leafier, less demi, more easily digestible because you want to get as many calories into them from forage as you can so that you minimize the amount of your bag's feed that you're going to have to feed to keep weight on that horse. So it goes both ways. So certainly in boarding facilities, I love to see two or three different types of hay available i'd love to see i'd love to see an alfalfa and i'd love to see kind of a stemmy low nutritional value grass hay and conversely a higher quality more digestible grass hay and with those three hays you can pretty much tailor to the needs of almost every horse that will be in that boarding facility so what about people who have horses that can't chew as well as they used to older horses that have teeth problems or have uh difficulty digesting their hay what what choices for forage do they have yeah so i think it's important to remember we touched on this briefly at the beginning right that forage comes in many different forms so hay for example can get turned into pellets and cubes those are still forages um and beet pulp is still falls under the forage category right so those are three things that are great choices for horses with poor dentition that don't chew well um and obviously it's always smart to be soaking those kinds of feeds if you've got horses that don't chew well even though you know the particle sizes are very small after they've broken them down there's still that risk that they just don't chew them very well they don't get broken down very well so you could get you know risk of choke or whatever um feeding pellet in you know, a dry pellets the horses with bad dentition but that's you know that's what i would go to as far as you know how i get forage into those horses um, and people always worry about fiber. Well, they're not going to get enough fiber, right? But fiber is a cellular level thing. You know, like fiber is a carbohydrate. It's a it's a type of carbohydrate that that's in that plant. It's not about how long the particle sizes are. So there's just as much fiber. There's, there's plenty of fiber in those hay pellets for a horse as there is in long stem hay. It's just it'll take less time to chew the pellets than it will the long stem hay and you know, do they need long stem hay for maintenance of the digestive tract lining? Well, that's true of cows. Cows need something called scratch factor for their rumen and stomach to keep functioning properly. Um, it's not necessarily true that horses need as much of that 
um, as cows do. And in fact, we have horses that have fecal water syndrome or right dorsal colitis or what have you, where that scratch factor is actually an irritant to the lining and it's resulting in them having loose manure and diarrhea. And we actually take long stem hay out of those horses' diets and put them on pellets in order to stop the diarrhea. Um, so horses can do fine on you know totally pelletized hay-based diets. Um, so if you're feeding hay pellets, can you replace regular hay pound for pound with pellets or is there a different ratio? Yeah, I typically, if you wanted to replace your hay, so I actually personally did that with our personal horse recently because I thought he was getting some um, irritation from the alfalfa that we had. It was very stemmy alfalfa. Um, and so I switched him to alfalfa pellets and he was getting a flight of alfalfa hay. <laughs> Which was five to seven pounds. Is that what you're? Yes. <laughs> and uh, no, I wasn't weighing it because <laughs> I wasn't the one feeding it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm just as real world as everybody else when it comes down to it. Um, I replaced it with um, he's getting six pounds of pellets a day. Uh-huh. And that's kind of where we started. Now, you have to keep in mind that pellets are typically better digested than long stem hay because the particle sizes are smaller, so you get better digestion. So I always start tell people to start off with weigh the amount of hay you're feeding and then feed that same amount in pellets. But you may find you're adjusting the amount of pellets you feed. You keep you need to keep looking at body condition score, right? And condition scoring your horse and keeping an eye on that. Are they gaining weight? Are they losing weight? And you might find they start to gain a little bit of weight because pound for pound, they're actually getting more out of those pellets than they were getting out of the hay. So you mentioned body scoring, so we should probably explain what that is for people who aren't familiar with it. It's a nine nine point scale. Nine is um, is obese as a horse can get, and one would be starving to the point of not living very long at right. that point. Um, so where where should people have their horses fall on that? Ideally, a five really would be ideal. Um, you know, there are sometimes reasons to be a little bit less. Like I have some arthritic seniors that are kind of a four and a half. You know, we can kind of see a faint outline of ribs that maybe they don't have a brilliant top line anymore because they're not working. Um, and we don't want them carrying excess weight because their joints, they're, you know, they're trying to have issues getting up and down and things. And you don't want that extra weight on their joints. Um, similarly, you know, brood mares you might want to have at a six when they fall out. So they have some extra fleshiness to help maintain lactation because lactation is so demanding. But um, I don't really think there's a reason for a horse to ever be above a body condition score of six. Um, we're you're starting to really get into, there are some really interesting growth, gross pathology studies done on horses that were condition scored a seven. Um, and they found out on gross pathology that they were very similar to the horses that were condition scored at nine. So that's a really not good stuff starting to happen internally when, when you get to a BCS of seven. So at that point, you're just, you're spending money on feed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that is not doing your horse. It's not good. Yeah. My spring exams on all four of my horses well three of them are mine one belongs to my trainer but the four horses two easy keepers two harder keepers they all came in at fives which i thought i gave myself a pat on the mask to to bring them all in at fives um but i think a five is they you can um you can't see ribs but you can feel them is that yeah that's correct and easily feel them you shouldn't be like they're in here somewhere like they should be right below the skin 
Yeah. And then as horses get higher on the, on that scale, you start having fat pockets on the tail head and the neck and, and things that we might associate with some health problems like laminitis or, or other issues. So anyway, something to keep in mind. Uh, ask, ask your vet to show you how to body score, take pictures, yeah, do track. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's some good resources online. And hey, I wanted to ask you, don't you have a cool way of feeding hay pellets? Because people always worry about how they, like their horses eating too quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I do, um, on your recommendation, I have a, an iFeed um, automatic feeder for feeding pellets. Um, and it feeds in two, um, two ounce increments up to whatever amount um, that, that it distributes those. And that way they can be spread out so that for the horses that are getting pellets, uh, they aren't just getting them all at once, um, that they're getting them throughout when they're, my horses don't live in their stalls all day. They have stalls with runs that they come in to eat separately the ones that, so that the, the skinny ones and, and the not so skinny ones can have separate portions, but then they spend the rest of their time together so that they can socialize. Um, but I do have those, those automatic feeders to keep, um, the pellets moving for those horses that need some extra calories. Yeah, they're a really, really clever invention and that you could really almost simulate grazing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. There's always a concern with hay pellet-based diets that they just eat them and stand around being bored all day long. Yeah, and because it is actually weighing the portion, you don't have that variation in the amount. So I know like how long a 50-pound bag of hay pellets is going to last because I know that I'm feeding exactly the same amount every day. Um, when I scoop it by hand, I'm not as consistent. Oh, that's an interesting observation. Yeah. 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 So, well, that is all the time we have. But before we go, I want to ask, what do you think is the most important takeaway for people listening when it comes to forage? I know it's really expensive. Hay is kind of stupid expensive in a lot of places right now. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, don't be tempted to skimp on your hay quality. Um, you know, it really, it'll save you money in other areas to keep, you know, good quality forage, whatever that means for your horse's particular health needs in front of your horse for as much of the day as you can. For our listeners, if you'd like to be part of our conversations, please send your suggestions for future topics and your equine nutrition questions to info at scoopandscale.com. That's info at scoop and and is spelled out, scale.com. You can also find Claire at clarityequine.com. For the Scoop and Scale podcast, I'm Michelle Anderson. And I'm Dr. Claire Tunis. Thanks for riding along with us. 